in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy who listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Marty McFly to your Doc Brown, except we will probably need roads where we're going today, Paul. Very true, because today, Chris, we are going to be talking about the Art Bell interview with Stephen Gibbs. It's actually going to be two different episodes today. Uh, it's going to be the first interview on January 13th, 1997. Then we got a couple clips from Stephen Gibbs' second interview on March 9th, 1998. If you are unfamiliar with Stephen Gibbs, which I am certain almost all of you are, Stephen is the man who sold time machines out of his basement for $360. That seems relatively cheap for a time machine. Shockingly low. I mean, I know it's 1997 money, but still, he's undercharging. That that at the most is like $1,500 in today's dollars. <laughs> like, that is shockingly cheap. For a fully functional time machine that he makes yeah. himself. Do we actually get to use this time machine on Art Bell's show? What do you mean? Like, like does, he, does does he give one to Art and Art time travels? So he does send one to Art and Art interviews someone who has used one. So that's going to okay. come on the March 9th episode, which is going to be the second episode that he's on. Okay, okay. So yeah. we'll hear an actual real-life testimony. Yes. <laughs> of somebody who used this $360 <laughs> time machine. Yeah, we will be hearing from like, someone, yeah. That was like the cost of a brand new N64 at the time. Yeah, probably. Probably was. So uh, we'll be getting the full breakdown of what is the machine? How does it work? How do you use it? What does it feel like to travel through time? And then also hear that that first-hand testimony. Uh, but before we get to any of that, Chris, we got to check in with our good friend Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim time. Today's article... Kentucky man allegedly shoots roommate for eating their last hot pocket. Dude, never eat the last hot pocket if you didn't buy it. Dude, that's true, honestly. That's true. It's kind of a bad vibe. Not a good vibe, dude. All right, so from the article, in a bizarre story out of Kentucky, a man was arrested for allegedly shooting his roommate for, of all things, eating their last hot pocket. Now, I will say that it's not a, you know, you don't deserve to be killed for eating the last Hot Pocket, but yeah, if you were, if you were wounded a little bit, I don't know, maybe, maybe. So, important note, he's not dead. He was just okay, wounded. Okay, good. So okay. he, he deserved that. <laughs> he may, if it was just a light wounding, I'm not saying he needs to be paralyzed or anything just like a flesh that. wound just you a flesh know, wound. A, a shot through the hand maybe i think i think the better play would be a shot through the hot pocket i want you know Ooh. like the old school western movies where they shoot the gun out of the guy's hand but yes. with a hot pocket it explodes the... all over your face yes and, and then it's like yeah. hot mm -hmm. boiling hot and then it burns a little bit again i don't want like third degree burns i don't want this person permanently disfigured but don't eat the last hot pocket <laughs> just slightly uncomfortable <laughs> all right the very strange dispute reportedly unfolded in the city of louisville when clifton e williams went to dine on one of the popular microwavable turnovers and discovered to his profound chagrin that there were no more of the meat and cheese filled snacks to be found in his freezer can i just say that kentucky is definitely got to be one of the highest proportion states of people who on a regular basis eat hot pockets that's probably fair i'm sure that that data is available publicly honestly i bet a lot of hot pockets are being eaten in kentucky they get the breakfast lunch and dinner hot pockets 
The hangry man's attention soon turned towards his unnamed roommate who copped to eating the coveted final Hot Pocket, leading to a brawl erupting between the two men. I love hangry man. I love <laughs> that so much. Timmy! He's on, on it. dude. He's on it. Let's go. He, he does a good job on the goofy web post. He's great at that, man. And honestly, can you blame the guy like, you haven't eaten. You're looking forward to eating your hot pocket. You're super hungry, and then they're all gone. Ask my wife how many times I've done that to her, dude. She would love to have shot me a couple of times. Well, with my wife, it's always her uh, leftovers. Any food that she brings home from a restaurant, I eat within like twelve hours. Gone, so, dude. Yeah, and my wife's mostly a vegetarian, so I don't even like want to eat it, but I have to eat the leftovers <laughs> during the melee. Authorities say Williams pelted the man with tiles, which led his roommate to understandably flee the residence in the hopes that cooler heads could prevail. They just had a whole bunch of tiles sitting around? Apparently so. Dude, that that was like during the uh, Black Lives movement when uh, there were just pallets of bricks all over the place. Yeah, I was talking about pallets of bricks. Did somebody drop off a bunch of tiles at this house knowing that this fight was going to take place? Who's to say? Who's There may be a conspiracy of Bruin. Sounds like Antifa to me. However, according to the police, Williams was not done fighting as he actually grabbed a gun, chased after the perceived thief and fired a shot which struck the man in his backside Ooh, got a booty shot in and, and here's the thing he chased this guy out of the house to shoot at him he is really angry about this hot that is very very angry there's a lot of effort going through he pelted him with tiles and then shot him this actually i'm thinking that's that's over crime you know what I mean? That's yeah. over punishment for the crime. I'm I'm wondering how many hot pockets had to be eaten by his roommate for this guy to have this kind of reaction. I bet it was a full thing of hot pockets and not <laughs> one hot pocket was left. That's why he's so angry. The guy just got super stoned, ate all the hot pockets in the fridge. He's like, there, there were eight hot pockets in there. There's not one hot pocket left. You ate all of them? All of them! I've been busting my ass at work all day, and you ate all my Hot Pockets. All the Hot Pockets! Cops eventually arrived on the scene and arrested Williams for second-degree assault. If convicted, he could face between five and ten years in prison for the misadventure, which is a rather steep price to pay for a snack food that usually costs less than five dollars. That's for real, though, dude. Tim is on one. For sure, with that, mm -hmm. like, dude, I hope it was worth it, man. I don't think it was. This sounds like a, hope was... a, a, a upsetting overreaction. Um, fortunately, his roommate's injuries were not life-threatening, though it may be a while before he sits down to eat his next Hot Pocket. Ooh, that's going to hurt on the tush. It will indeed all right, Chris, now for some housekeeping. You can support the show on Patreon by following the link in the show notes to get early access to episodes and exclusive patron-only episodes. We've actually had three episodes up so far, um, so you can go check those out. The lowest tier is $2. If you don't have any cash to give us, you can support us by dropping us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're currently at 4.6 stars on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so drive those numbers up, baby. Drive them up. Yeah, let's see some big, big jump ups in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we you guys gotten, don't mind. Yeah, we we we're we're five star men. That's all we're looking for. We're five star men. Uh, you can also send your posse vibes to c 2 cpmpod at gmail.com or find us on Reddit or Coast to Coast PM. All that's in the show notes as well. Everything's just in the show notes all the time. Also, just a quick note: we stopped doing ads. So if you suddenly don't hear ads anymore, that's why we just cut them. We said no, we're not we're not ad people. Yeah, dude, we hate advertisers for the most part. And they weren't giving us any money. They were not giving us nearly enough money. And uh, they suck. And I also, I hate listening to podcasts with ads. I always skip them yeah. and it's frustrating. So uh, we just cut it entirely. So uh, Patreon is the only way that we're paying our podcasting bills. So support us there and get some extra shows. All right, to the show, Art Bell's interview with Stephen Gibbs on January 13th, 1997. The man who is selling time machines out of his basement so chris 
Art has one classic question for Stephen Gibbs. Usually reserved for George Norrie, but Art had to ask it this time. How'd you get into this? How did you get into this? How did you get interested in time travel? Now that's a good question. Um, uh, it was back in the year 1981 when I thought I was contacted by one of my other doubles or counterparts. Wait a minute. You mean yourself? Yeah, for myself. From uh, some alternate future universe. Uh, but I then later found out, well, it started out that uh, with a letter that was dropped off at a, uh, at a video uh, uh, department store delivered to me by a man who uh, worked at this uh, video arcade store. And uh, he claimed that somebody dropped it off on this uh on his counter there while I was while I was gone, and uh, I later stopped back. And uh, he no, said, no, wait. Who who was the letter? Was this letter to you? Yeah, yeah. This letter was supposedly from me, from my other self, from uh, from the future. Yeah, from the future. Love the origin story, dude. <laughs> Love getting contacted by yourself. That's good stuff, dude. That's classic time travel thematics. Well, and it also helps wrap up like, hey, how did you figure out how to build a time machine? It's like, well, I started getting messages from myself, potentially myself in the future from an alternate dimension. So yes. that, that adds up. What is a video arcade store? In my head, I just imagined somebody who sold giant box video arcade games. Oh like, yeah, he does. He doesn't explain that part. I don't think. Yeah, like, why I mean, you gotta you gotta think arcades have to buy their boxes somewhere. I guess it's true. There's got to be a warehouse of video arcade games, just hundreds of Dance Dance Revolution machines. You know, I actually have looked into buying a video arcade machine before. They're actually not that expensive. It's like fifteen hundred bucks. You would think it would be worse for the same cost <laughs> as a time machine. You can get a. Uh, you can get your own uh, Street Fighter. It's vastly, vastly. A time machine is much cheaper, actually. It's the shocking part. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is like 5x the cost of a time machine. That's so awesome. But that you're getting quality there. You're getting yeah. real quality with the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle machine. Yeah. Well, with this origin story, Chris, we already have a twist. Because apparently he thought the letter was from himself, but it wasn't actually from himself. It was a fake himself. And uh, it was really strange because as soon as I started reading it, uh, chills just started going up and down my spine. And uh, But I later found out at a later date that it was yeah, that the letter was not written by my other self. That, uh, in fact, uh, it was my other self who contacted the person that was working there to... To, to write me this letter that would that would motivate me to start work and to start to do research on this uh, time travel stuff and from that oh from that man point how, on, how totally weird I mean when you read this letter uh, did it reference enough things about you so that you knew whoever it was had to know you uh, yes it did. Uh, Oh, about pyramids and stuff like that, but uh, it was enough to let me know that it was my other self. Yeah, it was no question about it. From how far in the future? I would say it was from, uh, oh, I would imagine any time uh, from 1992 on up to uh, uh, 1998 or 1999. Does he ever provide this letter? No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. So, so this is just Joseph Smith with the golden tablets. I mean, yeah, essentially. And for context, too, he got the letter in 81, which is why he was saying the person was from the 90s. So that wasn't the future. But yeah, there's no he doesn't have the letter or he doesn't read it off. And I, I wonder what's in it, because when Art like had asked, was there evidence that convinced you? Yeah, this is for me. He says, yeah, there was some stuff about pyramids. Yeah, dude, I know. What? He, he kind of glossed <laughs> over that. 
what what about pyramids you're like oh this has to be me this is definitely me i'm the pyramid guy i have no idea what that this guy doesn't make a ton of sense a lot and he's kind of a country boy to be honest and i think he's nervous to be on art show so just random things happen like that throughout the show where you're like what are you talking about but you just let it slide you just got to live with it the pyramids paul i'm telling you <laughs> you have to believe me all right, uh, so there's different types of time travel, Chris. I'm not sure if you're familiar with all the different types. Well, Paul, hold up a second, because let me just get make sure I have the story straight in my head. Yeah. yeah. This gentleman somehow comes into contact with a video machine warehouse distributor yeah. that hand, provides him a letter for some reason that he then indicates that it's definitely for him by reading it, like, oh, this letter is definitely meant for me, that tells him how to build a time machine. So it doesn't tell him how to build it. It tells him to start researching the time machine. Ah. So there's another person that I think is also a time traveler who gives him the schematics later. Okay, but as of right now, he's just supposed to be researching just start digging in just start figuring out this time, is time travel's this, real start digging in this is the part of the montage where they're like going to the library and opening up books yeah and he's you know scribbling furiously like weird schematics yeah okay yeah all right okay just wanted to make sure i knew where we were in the origin story yeah so when it comes to the types of time travel there's a few different ways that you can actually travel through time that he discusses well, there's different types of time travel. There is uh, physical time travel where you can move physically back and forward through time. Both directions. Yeah. And okay. then there is quantum time travel, and that's where your soul can move into another one of your counterparts right. in a parallel universe. Astral projection. And then astral projection comes after that, and then uh, mental time travel, which I suppose could be somewhat connected with astral projection. But what you're talking about here, or what I'm um, primarily interested in, is you're telling me actual physical time travel is possible. Yes, that's correct. And you have a machine that can do that. Yes, that's correct. I actually really don't have any problem with any of that lore. No, it's kind of cool, like the idea that your soul can move into the body of yourself in a parallel universe. It's kind of fun. It kind of plays strangely with what happens to then to your counterpart soul yeah that's kind of a scary thought yeah i think this was actually a plot point in um doctor strange and the most recent doctor strange movie the whatever of madness where the scarlet witch starts going into scarlet witch in alternative realities i think you just kind of witness more than you can act maybe well, and it's also a part of the Jet Li's famous The One martial arts combat movie in which there was an alternate universe Jet Li that was killing all the other universes Jet Li's, <laughs> gaining power each time he killed one of the Jet Li's. And so the less and less jet lees there were the more powerful each individual jet lee became that's a way better analogy i like that one way better do you think that works we're gonna have to find out by using this man's time machine let's uh pony up the 360 bucks you can still buy them from people there are some people that still have these i think he died of a heart attack or something um you can find anything on ebay oh yeah for sure there's people on reddit who talk about their experiences with his machines Oh, I can't wait to hear an an actual experience now. Yeah, yeah, it's very exciting. All right, so let's get into actually building this machine, right? What's going on with it? How did you begin to reach out to try to figure out how to build or how to get a time machine? Well, it it started with uh, an article that got published in a journal up in Canada. And some people, uh, and and the article was basically on time travel. And some people over in Fitchburg, Massachusetts saw it, uh, or this one person saw the article, and contacted me by telephone. And uh, he went by the name of uh, Jim Gerard. 
And uh, he then, and then that was basically the person that, uh, at a later date, sent me the schematic for what the device was first called the Sonic Resonator. Sonic Resonator. Yeah, and then it later evolved into the hyperdimensional resonator, which I now sell through through this business that I have. You sell time machines. Yes. This is very cool. <laughs> all right, Paul, but that's all good. He's got yeah. schematics. He's building them. He has a company that can sell them. You can buy them directly from him. What does it do? So it does a couple of things. You can astrally project yourself through time using this. You can physically move through time doing this. So like my body is dropped in like 1776, right? Or you can heal people using this machine. So like if someone has a serious illness or cancer or something like that, and they use this machine, it resonates with their body's healing frequencies to solve those problems. Okay. All right. Interesting. And, and he, he and that's what he claims this machine can do. Yeah. The the ultra parallel resonator or whatever the heck he called it. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun sci-fi sounding gibberish words, but that's what he claims that it can do. Did I, I I'm I I'm sorry I keep on bringing up t- movies, but I'm thinking of Napoleon Dynamite when his brother orders the time machine and then like puts a couple of crystals in it and then like sits on it and all it does is like hurts his nuts. <laughs> I forgot about that. That may be based on this time machine, Chris, because there is a slot to put crystals in. <laughs> there is a slot? Oh, dude, it has to be. And the, and it's so funny because it's like, don't forget to put in the crystals. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, there is a crystal component we will get to. <laughs> <laughs> I love no, I this man. Wait. This I is all wait. ridiculous, but I love this man. Uh, give me the next thing because this is good so far. I can't believe he set up a company to sell these things. That's incredible. Oh, dude, he has a catalog. You you could order a catalog from him to get all the details on this because there's like two versions of the time machine, which necessitates a whole catalog. You need a whole catalog for it. Okay, so Art calls out a pretty pretty interesting point here. It could be potentially dangerous to be selling these time machines because what if it gets in the hands of the wrong person who can go back and do some serious damage, right? Uh, I really don't have nothing to worry about there because, uh, like I told uh, lots of other people, that uh, these generators that I that I build and sell uh, generate infinite amounts of uh, tachyon particles, which deals with basically with pure white light energy. Right. And if a person, so basically, since the device is, uh, way I believe, is is tuned into the creator, anybody who has uh, bad intentions... (laughs) All of a sudden, I see why you get that kind of feedback. Tuned uh, into the creator. Right uh, right there, you've made a lot of antagonists. Yeah, yeah, I see. Uh, but the uh, but the re- but but you see, anybody who has any bad intentions aren't going to be able to uh, use a device for evil purposes, and so only the people who have pure intentions are going to get results. Well, Paul, but here's the classic time traveler's dilemma, right? I, I my intention is to go back and kill Hitler. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I have no idea, but apparently the machine knows your vibes. So, well, would the machine let me do it? Right? I I don't know because you're right. Like that is a positive intention, but it's a negative action, right? Killing someone. So I don't I don't know if this machine would let you do it off of what he's saying. If it's pure white light energy, I don't know. I don't know if you kill someone because he was also saying basically like if you want to go back and just like trade on the stock market and get rich, it's not going to let you do that. Because there has to be an infinite amount of parallel universes where time travelers go back to kill Hitler, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just so many universes with dead Hitlers, for sure. With, 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 But specifically, 
with time traveler killed Hitlers. Yeah, yeah. Because each, because again, in my head canon, my my idea is that every time you go back would spawn a new parallel universe. Yeah. So like, if I was to go back into, go back in my current timeline, all that would happen is whatever I changed in my past would then propel a new timeline, right? But when mm-hmm. I would come back into my timeline, the, the, the same world would exist that I left. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. This is why, dude, time traveling is a tough cookie to crack. Yeah, and I think probably the best way of tackling the paradox um, or issues that arise from stuff like that is like when we when we did the Doctor Masters episodes on time traveler UAPs and the concept of block time, where everything just occurs and like there is no actual linearity. I think besides, if you get rid of the idea of block time, everything gets super messy. Right. So I don't know. I don't know, man. And I I. Here's what I know, Chris. This man has a time machine that he made in his basement. So let's hear a little bit about how it works. With your machine, if you want to go into the future, I mean, I, mean, I always you know, I remember the old H.G. Wells deal where you'd push a lever forward or reverse from a center, a center point to go either ahead or behind uh, uh, in time. Yeah. Uh, is that the way it works, or is is yours a different setup? Yeah, mine's a slightly bit different setup. It's based on uh, radionics. It uh, what what it does, it takes your soul energies, uh, steps it up through the zero vector, and then uh, converts it into two points of resonance. Yikes! And when it creates two point, and whenever you have two points of resonance. You always get a time warp. Always. Uh, At least this is what my equation has stated. So his equations have kind of laid all this out. Okay. (laughs) Did that make sense to you, My equations aren't my equations! Did that make any sense to you? No, I I was totally confused. That's why I was waiting for you to say something. No, I don't. It doesn't make any sense. Let's hear a little bit more. Let's hear a little more. Okay, yeah. okay. Let's go. Let's go more into it because I I have no idea what's going on right now. So basically, what he's doing is that he has this machine, right? And then you're strapping this thing to your chest, and then you're strapping another thing to your head, and then the little box machine taps into your soul's resonance, grabs its frequency, and then pumps it through the zero vector. Paul, we're gonna have. I have a feeling we should put a graph or a chart of what the heck this, a blueprint of what the heck this thing looks like. So here's a picture of what it looks like. We can link it in the show notes. That's Um, terrifying. That is not what that actually looks like. That is what people are buying. Oh my God, dude. It looks like it should blow up that it was created by the Irish Republican <laughs> army to like blow up some Brits, dude. What is that? Can you, can you describe what you're seeing for the audience, Chris? It's a it's a black box with three switches <laughs> and like a what looks like a handle, dude. That is the sketchiest thing I've ever seen. And there's a little hole for you to put your crystal in. It's called the witness. That's the uh, crystal hole. That's the crystal oh hole. My God, and then there's dude, two I'm, dials I'm, that go one to ten. <laughs> so we're going to get to what the dials do. And then there's a plug that goes into just a normal, you know, U.S. wall outlet. Um, it does look like a bomb, though. It straight up looks it, like a bomb. That is a makeshift bomb from the Troubles in Ireland. Dude, for <laughs> yeah, sure. So so that's what we're kind of dealing with here. Oh, all right. So let's God, terrifying. OK. All right. What how how does this machine actually work? OK, so this machine. We, we, we have something strapped to our chest, something to our, our head, and then it grabs our frequency and then divides it through the zero vector. So let's listen to that. Frequency has gone through this circuit. It is then transmitted. Well, basically, it stepped up to the zero vector after the uh, okay, frequency is divided. And oh, okay, it, there's where you lost me. Zero oh, vector. Okay. Zero vector. Going too fast. Zero vector. What is a zero vector? 
Uh, zero vector is uh, referred to some scientists as the sphere, or uh, what I refer to as the creator. Is that anything like zero point energy? Yeah, that would be on the same same basis. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Then that makes sense. All right, so that doesn't make any sense to me, Paul, because I don't know what zero point energy is. So uh, I don't think it's actually related to zero point energy. I think that this guy didn't know what that meant and was just kind of okay. agreeing with art. So um, I'll, I'll read the definition of zero point energy for you. Zero point energy is the lowest possible energy that a quantum mechanical system may have. Unlike classical mechanics, quantum systems constantly fluctuate in their lowest energy state, as described by the Heisenberg and uncertainty principle. Okay, so, so what is this guy talking about? What this guy seems to be talking about is that it has to, like, pass through God. It's like there's this, like, I guess like a frequency almost that, like, God is living within. It has to go through that, and then it can come back out where you want it to go. I think that's what he's saying. It's a little convoluted. What? So that's actually kind of interesting because it would be the space in which you travel when you're traveling through a wormhole, right? Yeah. The like crusty underbelly of the universe. And so all he's saying is that that's where God resides is in the like underneath of the universe in which you have to travel to get to wherever it is that you're traveling through in the wormhole yeah i mean and if that's his stance that like that's where god is then i guess it, it is related to zero point energy i was just more thinking yeah. of god like at the high end not the low end you know what i mean like it was i don't i don't really understand it, if i'm being completely honest i'm thinking of quantum god dude that's yeah. quantum god i actually kind of like that a lot quantum god is sound it just sounds cool i'll, yeah. I'll give you that for sure all right so you take all this right it's it's you're now like shooting the waves through God and then back around. Uh, right. But to do all this, man, you just got to plug this box into an outlet, which is pretty cool. Just normal, normal outlet. No, no real power required. Yeah. It transfers yeah. it through the zero vector out of the diode circuit and on into an electromagnet, which hooks up to the machine. An electromagnet? Yeah. What, what kind? Uh, just a, uh, uh, electro, uh, just a uh, electromagnet with a twenty-one gauge magnet wire wrapped around a steel core. Okay. And uh, and how much voltage or current applied to it? Uh, it's one hundred and ten volts. One hundred and ten volts. AC. Yeah. AC then. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, this this device just hooks right up to a, uh, an ordinary outlet. Wow. You know this so far. This makes sense to me. I don't know, dude. Our boy, Madman Markham, was pulling so much power when he created his portal. Yeah. That I find it hard to believe that, like, this little teeny plug could juice that much power to rip open a, a, a hole into space-time. Well, here's what Madman Markham did not have, Chris, was crystals to help make the energy better so he's got to be there you're right you're right markham did not have any crystals but here's the thing though because basically what he's talking about is that he's made an electromagnet that you're strapping to your chest at your stomach chakra right and then you got your little box and then in your little box is where you like adjust the knobs which the knobs are basically your coordinates now, the fact that you only have zero to 10 twice means that there's not actually, there's only like 100 coordinates you could possibly have. So I don't really understand that. But uh, if you show up an electromagnet to your chest that's and you're running active electricity through it, it gets super hot. So apparently this thing gets really, really hot on your stomach. But I don't understand how it's enough power to do anything like time travel. Does he really go into further explanation or maybe for whatever reason, you don't actually need all that much power if you're not actually ripping open a portal, right? What Markham, we kind of theoretically thought he was doing was he was jacking in so much power into a small space that he was ripping, ripping open space time, right? 
maybe that's not what he's actually doing. Maybe you only need to simulate or stimulate your frequency enough to then allow you to move through different frequencies to kind of like phase in or out basically it's just like right more of a exactly nudge than a, yeah well it's it's interesting yeah. talking about markham but then also talking about the um philadelphia experiment because that whole thing was like they were blasting a ship with an enormous amount of electromagnetism um so that's just once again government bloat they didn't need that much electromagnetism they didn't need all those giant magnets they only need one tiny little one to do this military industrial complex gonna military industrial complex dude every time every <laughs> time so we, we have our magnet chris what happens next uh see the, uh, the electromagnet acts to transmit the soul energies which were stepped up through the circuit and then it is then uh, uh in other words it transmits the uh the energy then into your stomach chakra, uh, which is which is done when you place the electromagnet over the stomach region. Oh, so you actually you take this machine and you place it near your stomach. Yeah, yeah. You, t you place the open end of the electromagnet over the stomach region, and then that that transmits the energies into the stomach chakra, which then conditions your soul and aura for time travel. Uh, this basically tra uh, pro uh, programs your soul to, uh, to initiate the commands. Paul, I'm having a real hard time understanding, one, who's buying this thing, then two, when you get it, in your package at the door and you open it up and you're like, yes, I'm going to strap myself to this thing and I won't be killed. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would not strap it to myself. I'll tell you that much. I would not want this thing touching me. I don't trust this box. It but looks like a Dr. Kevorkian box, dude. Like this is like self-prescribed suicide box. So he claims that like a hundred people have bought these, I think something like that. But so someone's that doing, someone's buying it. I these have to be super single, lonely men. I feel like who are buying this time machine. <laughs> I would love to know the advertising that this man did so that you could find this item because you said that this was in 1996 right 97 yeah yeah 1997 yeah so so i mean even then the internet is not ubiquitous but i guess internet people would probably be the ones more likely to buy it so he, he does speak to that at one point i don't think i have a clip of it but he he bought like two ads in paranormal sci-fi oriented magazines where a time travel machine would fit in and he did have a website at this time, but like you said, this was like super early internet. So essentially, uh, some people saw his ad, and then when you see his ad, you can order the catalog for $1. So you have to mail him a dollar to his P.O. box. From the catalog, you can see what the schematics of the time machine is, and then you can order the full thing if you want to. Oh, so you had to jump a couple of hoops. Yeah, yeah. So you oh, people would get the catalog first and then order the time machine. That's kind of interesting. He was really trying to do some uh, product control then. Uh, apparently, apparently. You, you don't want just any Dick or Jane to be able to buy a fully functioning time machine. Yeah, you got to really want it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing, dude. Gibbs is not in this for the money because if he was, he wouldn't be charging $360 for a working time machine. That's right. I think he's That's a man right. of the people. He wants people to have this machine at that price. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's get into where he was actually building these, Chris. Like where, where was this work happening? And uh, we're not going to give your exact location or maybe you are. I don't know. Well, if, uh, if people wish to, you know. But you're out, uh, you're out of the catalog or something, you know. You have a, oh, you, my address. Oh, you have a catalog. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. You're you're out on a farm, right? Yep. 
Uh, and is that where you've done the work on the farm? Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. All right. Do you have, like, a workshop or, I don't know, a time travel room or? Well, yeah, it's a workshop. It's, uh, it's down in the basement and I, uh, where I build the machines at. And then, uh, then I, uh, do the finishing touches in my office room upstairs here. And I see. Getting ready to ship off. How many time machines have you manufactured? Uh, I would imagine well over a hundred. Wow! Problem of it is, the reason why I don't have more feedback on them is because the ones that usually end up using them don't stay around very long. Um, they end up disappearing to some other time. Of course they do. What a great way to explain why you don't have <laughs> any feedback or why no one is saying how successful your time machine is. Because they've left, you turkeys. Because it worked. It worked so well that they found their perfect timeline and they're going to remain there forever. I mean, it honestly sounds like a pretty legitimate issue that you would have if you sold time machines. Like, the, your your customers just are leaving. I have a 100% success rate, Art. That's why you don't hear anything about my time machines. Well, and the other thing, too, is that if someone buys your time machine and it doesn't work, you can blame it on their intentions. It's your own fault Ooh. because you clearly wanted to do something bad and the white light energy will not let you. That's good stuff, dude. I didn't even contemplate that. I'm honestly thinking maybe we should start selling time machines. What do you think? Let's start a time machine business, dude. I'm just imagining this guy like in a meth sweat in his barn <laughs> building these like you know just like hooking up wires and like this will work for sure yeah. i mean it's actually kind of horrifying it's a little scary it's a little scary but you know like this i i like, feel like if you shipped this today usps would like take the box out because it looks like a pipe bomb Oh, that's what I was about to say. This dude is lucky he didn't get Waco. Yeah, dude, it's not great. It's not great. But it was 97. I mean, well, I guess Waco was 93. Um, and OKC was 95. Yeah, he should. someone should have checked on this guy. The FBI should have been knocking on his door. <laughs> dude, I bet the ATF did knock on his door. Like, what is this actually? What, what are what you are doing? What are you actually shipping all over the U.S.? <laughs> well... We're going to hear from a live customer here in a bit, Chris, but do you want to hear uh, Stephen share a customer story? Absolutely. All right. Yeah, there was one uh, person who, uh, he had bought a machine from me, and he had the most incredible doggone experiences I've ever heard of uh, in connection with this machine, other than uh, this uh, Michael Francis Mazurkowitz who, uh, you know, uh, Last I heard from him, he was thinking about activating it over a grid point with the help from his sister. And uh, and they were planning on, I guess, going back to the uh, to the uh, time period of the uh, Greeks. Really? To live there. Uh, because uh, he had journeyed back there astrally and really liked it there. He, had, he claimed he stayed there for something like a week but anyhow the last i heard from him he was going down to idaho and and after that he disappeared in the thin air nobody knew where he went or uh... i don't know if i would go to greece during the ancient greek times dude that doesn't sound like a fun existence actually well the other one that he calls out that a lot of people go to is the 1500s which seemed odd to me yeah why the 1500s i have no idea it's so strange um also 1500s in you you would be in america so i guess you'd be hanging out with the native americans depending on where you were yeah there were early colonies on the east coast by the 1500s i guess that's i was yeah i guess that's true okay yeah it's just interesting because i i just don't understand why yeah like ancient greece i guess he flew to ancient greece and then or he flew to greece and then time traveled, right? Because if he time traveled here in the States, that would not work. Is it location based? Yeah. So did you hear him mention a grid point? 
I I did hear that. Yeah. So let's let's uh, let's get into grid points. I may be wrong about this. I don't actually understand what this guy's talking about half the time. Because by by the astral projection, I would imagine that he would be able to control it. That he he oh. wouldn't be. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, you may be right he about actually that. Pro- yeah. yeah, he actually projected there. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's listen to his grid points, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. If you're now now one important point is you've got to be near a grid point on the Earth. That is an area of magnetic anomaly, or what? Uh, yeah, well, that's basically an area where the gravitational ley lines intersect one another. Okay. Uh, well, are there many of these? Oh, uh, yeah, they're all around. The, the only problem of it is only certain types can transport you physically through time. Generally, the ones that uh, are capable of doing this are the ones where uh, UFOs are sighted over. Somehow that figures. So, yeah, I would imagine that the ley lines are just how you would, they're like the highways of the the time-traveling world. And so all you got to do is jack into a ley line, and then you can go forward, backward. You can go to Greece. You can go to China. You can go wherever. Yeah, I think I think you're right. For sure on that, in that you you hit the grid point, which you find using dousing rods, by the way. So oh, always, dude. That's the only way to find a ley line. <laughs> you just walk around until you 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 douse your rods, and they come together, and they're like, okay, this is a this is a grid point. Now, this is another great piece of lore that he's created for his machine, because the other thing that he can say is, oh, you didn't time travel. Only some grid points allow you to physically time travel. You must just be at the wrong grid point. Does he give you some advice on how to find proper grid points? Not really. He does talk about Las Vegas being a negative grid point, and that if you try to time travel from Las Vegas, you'll end up in hell. That makes sense with his talk about the creator and using the creator energy. Yeah. So don't... Las Vegas Vegas definitely has some, like, Sodom and Gomorrah vibes. Yeah, so avoid time traveling there. He actually gives Art that warning later uh because he's gonna send art one and he's like just don't you're in prompt just don't do it when you're close to las vegas that's that's uh sage advice for all of us so i did promise we would get to crystals though chris uh you mentioned crystals earlier are crystals used to enhance the effect of all this somehow well yeah yeah i see usually uh well uh the unit could do pretty much everything but by itself, but once in a while, somebody might not might need a little bit more energy in order to accomplish this. And so, what I do, I usually send a uh, double terminated quartz crystal with uh, every unit that I uh, send out. A double terminated quartz crystal? Yeah. What, what would that be? Uh, that's a crystal with uh, that's a quartz crystal with two points on it. Oh. Okay. One on each end. All right. All right. Does that actually physically attach to the unit or simply need to be, in other words, what do you do with it? Uh, it it's inserted into the witness well, and it's designed to, ste- uh, to step up the uh, light energies a little bit more. Yeah, or it's a double terminated crystal, so that means it has two points of entry, and so it makes it super duper powerful. It, what basically we're just describing is a normal quartz crystal. It's a normal, normal, it just means there's two ends to it. The only <laughs> type of quartz crystal I've ever seen in my life is a double terminated. I would love someone crystal. to show me a uh, a quartz crystal with only one side, and I, I would, you know what I mean? Like, there's gonna be another side to it. But yeah, dude, I always get lost a little bit on the the crystal stuff. If it works for you, that's awesome, but uh, I'm not big into the crystal lore. All right, so so once you have your crystals in and then you have your um, little electromagnet on your stomach, then you start moving those two dials while imagining the, where you want to go, right? And once dial one sticks, then you go to dial two, and then once that sticks, like where, you know, essentially your fingers kind of stop moving, then you know that you have your coordinates dialed in, and this machine is ready to go. So what do you do from there? Let's go, dude. I, I'm ready to travel. There's a, a one person who had bought a unit from me in uh, Great Falls, Montana. He uh, he said that he first initially feel an earthquake. An earthquake? 
and then all of a sudden, uh, a huge white light will, will surround your physical body, and it, but it's so fantastically bright that you cannot open your eyes. And then things just fade out from under you, and you start drifting through a void. And then all of a sudden, things uh, afterwards, after you drift through this void for a certain period of time, then things just start uh, forming around you again, and, and you end up finding yourself at the time that uh, you programmed into the unit. Dude, was he just knocking people out, and you like would sometimes <laughs> go on a trip because you've been like nearly electrocuted <laughs> to death you know it's possible it's possible that this is all just a hallucination brought on by electrocuting yourself with this guy's device yeah dude like as soon as you plug it in and you're like you wake up and you're like holy crap i've been gone for six hours and it's like yeah. because you shocked yourself into a coma yeah yeah that's definitely definitely a possibility i forgot one important aspect though chris is that you have to do this during a full moon Oh, really? What does the full moon give us? No idea. <laughs> but you just have to do it during a full moon. That's just one of the rules. Just one of the rules. That seems like it would be incredibly Earth-centric. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it is. Yeah. Maybe it's just the white light given out by the moon. Helps with the white there energy. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. So this is more of a lunar god device than a, a a sun god device yeah i guess so i did kind of enjoy his description though of what happens when you do travel where it's like an earthquake and then you're like moving through um this like portal thing and then you just land where you want to be it sounds kind of fun yeah dude that does sound pretty interesting and and lore wise i don't hate really anything about it no no not at all the it's, moon it's i could solid. i i I could skip the moon war. I'll probably skip the moon war. The moon one lost me, especially after all the crystals. Um, yeah. And that is the thing people do. They leave their crystals outside to charge from the full moon. Yeah. So, I don't know. Right. You're, you're losing me with the crystals and the moons. <laughs> all right. Well, here's here's an important note, Chris is that Stephen Gibbs did jump forward in time just a little bit, and he did see some very bad things that were to come. Once again, he is recording this in 1997. Uh, I, uh, when, I, uh, when I used the hyper-resonator a few years back, I went to the year 1997, around the month of uh, September. Later this year. Yes. And? And I saw World War Three in progress. Oh, Steve. Now, I hope that this will be postponed. Oh, See, not necessarily Steve. everything you see in the future will come to pass. You're talking about nuclear war. Uh, somewhat similar, yes. Um, it was a huge aerial battle that I saw. When I landed oh. there, and then I saw a huge uh, intercontinental ballistic missile being uh, oh, launched. That's bad. Being launched. Bad. And I don't know whether, well, it looked like it was going out, but uh, I would imagine there was a few missiles coming in, too. But what I'm hoping is that uh, this will be delayed for, I hope, for another 10 years. Paul, uh, I was only about six years old at the time, but I'm having trouble remembering World War III taking place in 1997. You don't remember the Great Nuclear War of 97? No, all the inter-ballistic continental missiles and the aerial dogfights that were happening in 1997 are not jostling themselves in my memory. Uh, the, the U.S. education system fails once again. <laughs> Well, no, Chris, what? I don't believe what happened. I don't believe it happened. Why would you ever come out with something like that? Some grandiose statement. Was there something happening in 97 that would have led him to make this outrageous claim? No, I think, well, because here's the thing. Whenever you make a prediction, you have to make sure it's far out or you don't put a date to it. Those are the two ways of going about this, right? 
that way you don't have to deal with it. He was predicting like a couple months in the future there would be nuclear war, which is just a bad play. Insane. I it's an insane thing to do. I can't figure this guy out if I'm being totally honest. Like it seems like one giant grift, but he's also just some farm boy who's playing with wire. So I don't know. Maybe he thought it was real. Um, so I don't I don't really know. Maybe he had a hallucination that there was nuclear war, but it's 1997. It's not like 1980 you know what i mean the soviet union had fallen like who were we going to nuclear war with well i'm even trying to fathom what he could have possibly have been like referencing i'm thinking like maybe bosnia serbian war there was probably something with india and pakistan but other than that like nothing was really going on and I don't think it's actually related to anything because um, not to be a dick to this guy, but he wasn't the most educated dude. Art yeah. used slightly big words a couple of times and then Art had to define it for him or just right. breeze past it. So I don't I wouldn't necessarily look for something to tie it to. I think it's just something oh, okay. he said. All right. OK. <laughs> yeah. Totally fine. Got it. All right. <laughs> don't think about it too much. Swing and a miss on that one, though. Big time. Pretty big mess, especially because he comes back on Coast to Coast AM on March 9th, 1998, which is supposedly after World War III was supposed to happen. Well, he did say something might happen that would cause it to wait another 10 years, which would then be 2007, 2008, the election of Barack Obama, <laughs> World War Three. Definitely, definitely. Well... Chris, that is going to end the first part of this. Let's jump momentarily to the second interview in 1998, where apparently after the first interview in 97, Steve sold a whole bunch of catalogs. So good for him. Yeah, dude. The the coast to coast AM bump, as we call it. When I first had you on, you told me you had a time travel catalog, and I thought, how cool, uh, and it is. I mean, to have a time travel catalog, even if you're not going to get a machine uh, on your coffee table, I thought it'd be really cool. I mean, what else did you get for a time travel catalog last time you were on? Oh, God. I can't even number it. Um, oh, geez, it must have been over 3,000. 3,000. Um, you offer this time travel catalog for what? A uh, dollar still. One dollar. It is still one dollar. So inflation has not hit time. No. Dude, I would probably get a time travel brochure for one dollar. Like, that's a good investment. Honestly, that's what Art was saying the whole time on the show and on this show is like, I'm not selling time machines for this guy, but having a time travel catalog on your coffee table is pretty fun. Yeah, you know, that is like such an amazing conversation starter. Yeah. Like, no, pick it up, flip through it. You're not gonna believe it. That's you a time machine. You will not believe what <laughs> yeah. You will not believe what is inside this brochure slash catalog. Well, it's like on, on our coffee table, I have a book called Mars 1999, and it was a book written in the 70s about how we can get to Mars by 99, and it has like schematics for like different types of spaceships we could use and stuff like that, uh, and that's just kind of a fun little piece, you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like goofy little piece of Americana. Yeah. Not well, as cool as a time travel dude. catalog. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I have I have a similar one that's like our life in space and it's from the 60s. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's just awesome. Yeah. It's just it's so much fun. All right. Well, I told you that Art knows someone who used this machine, Chris. Art knows the person. Well, Art got reached out to by the person. Okay. I say that. Okay. Okay. When did you uh, first of all, how did you find out about Steven? Well, uh, quite a few years ago, I found an ad in a magazine, uh, which I forget which one it was now, and I wrote for a catalog from him. I think it probably was five, seven years ago. All right, and so it, read... it wasn't from my program. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I read the catalog. It sounded fascinating, and I put it in a file somewhere, and that was the end of it at that time. All right, interesting. So previously saw this advertisement somewhere where gets mm -hmm. a gets a catalog and, and holds on to it yeah and then uh and then kind of forgets about it for a little while so let's let's see what happens from there 
Yeah. And, yeah then, uh, and then just as he talked about on the radio, you put the magnet uh, basically on in your belly button area and activated the tremendous current through it, huh? Yeah, the, uh, I remember the, uh, the time coil got hot. Uh, it would. It definitely would get hot. Yeah, we had to switch hands to hold it uh, in place. Uh, I'm sure it would get very hot indeed. Yeah. All right, so... Um, so See, this got... is really leading to my, my theory that you're getting knocked out, that you're getting electrocuted and getting passed out. Yeah, so this guy, you know, he ordered his time machine and then he puts it there and it gets super, super hot. Uh, possibility that maybe you are getting electrocuted here. We're not certain. Uh, but you want to hear the full story of what he experienced, Chris? Absolutely. It's it's a little longer, but I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it for sure. All right, so I still want to know what happened. But I sat there and uh, thought about absolutely nothing. And then after a little while, I started to see some light flickerings in front of my eyes, which I had closed at that time. It was kind of like, uh, well, it was little specks of light that just kind of showed up. Uh, right, 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 right. Inside right. the eyelid. Right, I've seen and, them. And uh, then I started to see a little, kind of like it, almost, it appeared like a column in the middle. And then it was kind of like a, a vision or a, um, I was just like I was watching a dim movie that got clearer and clearer. And it was um, like a, a mountaintop, and there was like a volcano. A volcano. And uh, the top of this volcano just plain came off, and that volcano erupted. And uh, the thing about this one is that I had a specific date and a year in time that I had uh, targeted. And what was that? That was in 1999, the 7th of July. July 7th, 1999. Do you know yeah. where you were physically? Uh, I don't know where I was. I had an impression of uh, and a feeling that it was on either on the west coast or the northwest. Do we have a volcano erupting in that time period? Not that I could find. I could oh, okay. be wrong about this. There may have been something in Russia around that time, but from what I can tell, no, there there wasn't really any volcano erupting in the United States. Man, I hate when those get wrong. Well, and what he described didn't really sound like physical time travel to me. It sounded like a hallucination, a dream. I don't know, but it didn't sound yes. like time no, travel. Not a yeah, not a very convincing time traveling. And that's and that's the best one we could get for art, dude. The best story that we could find about this time machine was a volcano exploding in some guy's head. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's all it was. That was one of your brain cells rupturing, my dude, and blood spouting in your head because you're dousing yourself in electricity. Oh, dude, it's so good. And you can buy a time machine for the low price of $360 from this guy and have the exact same experience. What fun. Fun for the whole family. Yeah. And it's funny. So this was actually a request by our listener, Ken, who's been with us for quite uh, a bit. Shout out to Ken. Kenny boy! And one of the things that he mentioned that I was kind of thinking myself is that Art was like very credulous throughout this when this is clearly nonsense. And I'm not totally mm -hmm. sure why, because I feel like usually he would call out something like this as BS. I think he thought the that this man had a catalog is his one redeeming factor. This guy went out of his way to create a catalog for a time machine. And I think Art loved that. Yeah, I, I you're probably right on that piece. I think there's there was another aspect that we didn't you can't really get the vibe through these clips, but when you listen to the episode, I think Art finds this guy a little bit endearing because he's just kind of like a small town right. farm boy. Art's over in Pahrump, Nevada, and I think that he just kind of liked the guy. And then he likes talking about time travel. It's one of Art's biggest things. So I, I think this just may have been fun for him to do, honestly. I think that may have been the extent of him right. coming up with this, whatever this is. Right, right. Because you're but, right, it almost doesn't seem quite like a grift. It's all very 
interesting. It's almost like too dumb to be a grift. Like this can't it's, be like and like the three hundred and sixty dollars. Like granted, he's probably spending like three dollars per box. <laughs> but it still doesn't seem like that crazy of a of a swindle. And he makes it all by hand, so he can only make like a very small amount per month. I think it's like three a month or something, he says. So and I, I could be wrong on that, but it was like it was a very small amount per month that he can pump out. So he's not making a lot of money off this. And again, he kind of like prepares you by first making you buy <laughs> a catalog yeah. before you're allowed to buy the full time machine. Yeah, and, and it has the schematic. So it's like this is what you're getting. It's like a pipe bomb attached to a box. <laughs> so you and know. We, and yeah, and multiple people were like, great. And this thing only works on fey lines in which you have to add crystals and you can only do it full full moon. And these people are like, this is great. This is wonderful. Yeah, dude, you kind of deserve to lose $360 at that point. That's the thing is that I don't really feel bad for anyone who buys one of these because it's like, you know what you're getting. You want, he walked... <laughs> Hand in hand, the whole process. <laughs> when you have to walk around with dousing rods just to find the spot that you're using, and then you drop the crystals in, like, all of this is absurd. You have two knobs with uh, one to ten on them, and you and you move them until they stop moving. Well, Chris, and that's on, how the machine works. On a scale of uh, one to five quartz crystals, what do you give the story of Stephen Gibbs? I don't, dude. I don't <laughs> even like. It was it was a lot of fun, but it was also insane. So maybe a two, two and a half. I was gonna give it a two as well, just for the pure entertainment value. It's total nonsense, but it's pretty fun. Total nonsense. <laughs> Good nonsense. Quality nonsense, but. And again, I don't feel bad because the guy isn't really swindling you. He's telling everyone exactly what it is. God bless you. Him. Jump you. He makes you jump through hoops to get this thing. Yeah. So you're you're bad. You're yeah. bad if you have a three hundred and sixty dollar time traveling machine that you uh, went out of your way to buy. Uh, I hope you burn your nuts a little bit. Well, that will be today's show. Uh, hope everyone at home enjoyed it. We will be back next week with more Coast to Coast PM. And don't forget to support us on Patreon for bonus episodes for little as $2 a month. Uh, and that'll be all. We'll see you all next week. All conspiracy, all the time. Later.